Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is yet another episode of BG and the Coach. I am that coach, and with me as always is my man BG. BG, what's happening? Coach, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to get right into it. Be real. This episode, because there's a little bit of tension in the room right now. Mm-hmm. Our listeners, well, you know, you and I are, are pretty much prima donnas because we're such celebrities in the podcast world. So I'm the much, talent, BG. We, I'm the talent. Yeah. We, we pretty much live in our own worlds. We've got our big RVs, our private jets. We kind of do our own thing. But every now and then, we'll have a texting thread going on so we can prep for the show. And maybe we'll drop in a few other things in there uh, just to keep it lively. And we were talking about Albert Pujols, mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals legend, in his yeah. final season. He is approaching 700 home runs for his career. He'd only be the fourth person to ever do it. At the beginning of the year, it looked like it'd be impossible, and he has gone on an absolute tear. The guy's 42 years old, and he's two home runs away. I couldn't help but marvel at that accomplishment, and I noticed that some in the media have begun to speculate that he's using steroids, and I wanted to share my outrage at that in our texting thread. Coach, I thought you'd have my back, and you immediately said, yeah, but isn't he? (laughs) isn't he though okay i did i did some hard-hitting research it's time to deep right into those stats on july 5th bg albert pujos was hitting 189 and had four home runs on the season since that point in time bg he's hitting 388 with 11 home runs now that is the most (laughs) just before you hit that stop button on this podcast. I assure you that is the last time we will do stats on this show. But something doesn't feel completely right about it. You noted he's a 42-year-old who predominantly has had a huge decline in his career, not just this year, but over the past, what, like half decade, let's say. Um, And this is his last hurrah. And suddenly, heroically, in Disney-like fashion, he has suddenly completely (laughs) flipped the script. And I'm just supposed to believe and take that at face value that, oh, maybe he learned a new tip for his swing or something like that. Okay, first off, I can't even be mad anymore because the fact that not only did you throw out stats, but baseball <laughs> I'm very proud stats? of myself. I'm very oh proud. Gosh, I am. Ooh, mm-hmm. The definition of proud over here. This is what a moment for the show. This needs to be preserved in history for forever. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> all is forgiven on that end. But let me just give you a few counterpoints. One. Are we to believe, okay, let's say he is on steroids. Did he not want to take them at the beginning of the year? What was his mindset of, you know what, let me see how I'm doing mid-year and then I'll take them? I also don't know how fast steroids work, but it seems weird to be like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to take it now and then he's going to get jacked up. Let me offer you some counterparts for why I think he's doing so well. He's back in St. Louis, which is where he had his biggest success. He's playing in front of adoring fans. He was named as a special commissioner's pick to the All-Star game where he was basically celebrated by every player on the field. And I think that gave him some motivation, some extra juice to get through the rest of the year. And the extra juice. I see. What I you know. Did. I heard it. As soon as I said it, I heard I it. I see what I heard you it. did. My, my real point is, to me, we were talking about Fernando Tatis a couple episodes ago and his ringworm infection. Let me tell you, <laughs> Albert Poole's skin looks marvelous. So <laughs> I, I think that alone is proof that he's not doing anything. But what we talked about was that at such a young age, Tatis essentially sunk his legacy. And just mm-hmm. from a weighing out, forget, like, is it right to do for the game of baseball? Throw all those arguments out. Just weighing the pros and cons of it. In his mind, the guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's got an amazing legacy. 
if he's caught using steroids on a pretty good testing system, at least relative to the other sports, he loses the Hall of Fame, blows up his entire legacy. And like 700 homers is nice, but it's essentially just some random round number. It just doesn't seem worth it to me to do it. Okay. I'm going to address every single one of those points, starting with your first question, which is, you didn't know how fast steroids work? Well, (laughs) let me tell you, dear listener, I do know because I straight up take steroids and not for muscles, purely for these vocal cords that you're hearing right now. My natural voice is a high pitch squeak. (laughs) And the coach knew that just wasn't going to fly on a professional podcast. So I've been popping, popping, injecting both steroids for over uh, 64 years now. It's it's working, coach. Let me tell you. It works instantly, (laughs) instantly. In fact, I typically will insert the syringe about two to three minutes before we start the podcast. (laughs) And then this is the voice that you hear. So I just wanted to clear up. You had a good question. Now you know the answer. The reason we don't do video podcasts is also because Coach's head is the size of a large novelty (laughs) balloon. But the vocal cords are incredible. Worth it. Worth it. I mean, it's unfortunate for you because you have to like (laughs) stare into my left nostril when we're recording. Bald jumbo head that I see on the (laughs) screen every time. This is what I do for the listeners. This is just the commitment (laughs) to the profession. So that's one right off the bat. Two, you brought up the all-star game he participated in where it it seemed like largely ceremonial that he even was included in it. It was really just a validation of his career as a whole. So I think you brought up one narrative, which is why would he do that? Like, why would you jeopardize the whole career? Fair enough. But here's another narrative. Albert Pujols hasn't been truly relevant in half a decade. This is a man who used to own the city of St. Louis and most of Major League Baseball. It's been a long time. And once you have that thrill, once you have that rush, that juice, so to speak, BG, it's really tough to lose it. And perhaps Mr. Albert Pujols, in what I can only describe as libel and slander coming up here, (laughs) thought to himself, I've got one more chance on my farewell tour to really recapture that glory. Don't you think that would be an incentive for a guy like that who is driven for that kind of fame? Well, first of all, our general counsel just submitted his resignation letter and walked out the door. So we have no coverage whatsoever going forward. So that's wonderful. Second of all, but doesn't my same point hold? So what happened the first half of the year? If he was going to do it, wasn't he going to do it at the beginning of the season? Okay, that's a fair point, and I am going to talk very slowly so I can stall enough to think of a counterpoint <laughs> to that. So just from a general counsel standpoint, a side tangent to buy me some more time, uh, I think a lot of the heat that you brought up with this story is that uh, outfits like ESPN and even uh, the very notorious Barstool Sports put out articles. Oh, bastion of journalistic that, Bastion. ESPN and Barstool Sports is probably the last time you hear those two put together (laughs) on the same level. But both came out with similar articles and or talk shows, not outright accusing Albert Pujols of taking steroids, but pretty much questioning, hey, this seems strange. Like, all of a sudden, he's the hottest hitter in baseball after having had a dormant career for the past five years. Here's the beauty of this show. ESPN is on like an upper rung. Barstool Sports is in the gutter. Like we're 17 levels below the gutter. We will absolutely make aspersions about Mr. Pools. I mean, our star and one of the co-hosts just admitted to taking steroids for 64 years. So if you want to know where our bar is, it is 
low. Pedal meat pot. Okay. I stalled for a long time on that question. <laughs> wow. That was really, well, I said yeah. almost nothing. Bought uh, a lot of time. Yeah. Bought a bar you, stool. <laughs> you really would think some of those red herrings I threw out there would hopefully get us onto the next topic so I didn't have to answer this. My only theory on this is that July was kind of the midpoint of the season. And he realized this was the last ditch effort. I think he just saw the end and realized that there was one opportunity to go out with the shining lights back on him. Coach, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. And I hope, and I know you'll be watching when he hits number 700. I hope you can take it in, put your cynicism, cynicism to the side. And just enjoy it for the beautiful, wonderful moment it's going to be. The only two things pumping through my blood, BG, as the coach, are steroids and cynicism. Roids and cynicism. (laughs) Volatile cocktail. (laughs) Let me tell you, let me just say one more thing on this and just explain a little bit more rationally why I feel this way. The analogy I think of is college and the first time I found out about Adderall and the fact that pretty much everyone around me was taking it. I would be waltzing around. And again, as the coach, when I say went to college, I mean, this is like 920 BC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think they called it that. <laughs> as I approached the Coliseum. They discovered coffee. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, it was more of like an herbal yeah. thing back then. <laughs> you know, walking around and, Wondering, like, how in the world are all these kids studying for six hours straight without even like twitching an eyelid? And meanwhile, I can't sit there for more than two and a half minutes without like flipping backwards in my chair or just doodling on the closest object. And then obviously finding out about Adderall, I was like, oh, but from that point forward, I would look at anyone studying in the library and say, hmm, must be Adderall. (laughs) Even if 20 seconds later, they too were like doing backflips in their chair. So I actually think that's your best point because I understand being somewhat cynical. I think baseball has burned too many people. And I certainly think my defense of Albert Pujols could look really, really bad (laughs) in about three months if it comes out that he was roiding up. It's going to be a really freezing cold take if that happens. So I get it. And I understand the cynicism. I just think there are ways to explain this surge, said everyone who defended a steroid user. And I (laughs) I just think to me, what it really comes down to is I understand the calculus that everybody else made when they took them. At every other previous baseball player, I get what they were trying to do. For him to do it at this point just doesn't make sense to me, even just thinking it through logically. That's why I I feel comfortable saying that it just doesn't make sense here. But I I totally get your point. Okay, so here's the end point I'm trying to get to. Are you pissed that there are people on ESPN who are casting these aspersions at Pujols? Meaning, are you angry at the mere fact that people are even suggesting this as a possibility? I am, which is why I shared it so passionately on our texting thread. And here's for a couple reasons. I get the cynicism. So if you want to say like you did with your Adderall story, hey, anytime I see that happen, I've got this natural suspicion that maybe it happens. I think that's one thing. If you are a national media member who has a, I'm assuming, somewhat high-rated show, or even, I mean, clearly some people were tuning in because mm-hmm. I know about it and I don't ever watch Max Kellerman. Were you allowed to say his name? I don't know. Our lawyer left. But <laughs> Come back. I, 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 think, I think it's one thing for buddies to be sitting around and saying, hey, I just 
I judge every baseball player unfairly when that happens. If you're a national media member to basically come out, and I know you said they kind of danced around it. They barely danced around it. To basically come out and say, hey, you're taking steroids without a shred of evidence or proof. I just think that's irresponsible. Okay. All right. So this is the point we're going to disagree on. Because to me, it's like the Lance Armstrong principle all over again. Like Ever since that happened, right or wrong, I don't think it's outlandish or wrong to at least suggest that there might possibly be something happening that may not be fair to the current athletes, but it's just simply a repercussion of what we experienced during the steroid era. I hear that point. I just, I feel like if you're doing it from a national spotlight, you're tarnishing something without any credible evidence. It's one thing to just say, Hey, don't we always wonder that when it happens It's another to say, Hey, that guy's probably juicing. Okay. Well, listen, join us next time on Crossfire when BG and the coach decide who wins by who can reach the highest decibel level in the argument. Oh, I'll be riding up for that one. Oh, my gosh. You don't have... you Listen, first off, you might just have roids. I've got the roids and cynicism. You won't be able to match me. I can't compete with that cocktail. Okay. Pujols aside, I want to talk about one other thing on this week's show, and that is... Denver Broncos head coach Nathaniel Nadog Hackett. So formal, Nathaniel. That is the right off the bat. Before we even get into the story, I I don't know that I know any Nathaniels. Well, I'm gonna hold my tongue on responding to that because I have a theory about his name that it's gonna tie into the point you want to make. That's a tease. That's a fun. It's coming up in two (laughs) minutes, everyone. So stay tuned. Join us next week on Crossfire when BG reveals. Okay. I'm all I was gonna say on that is that like obviously Nate is the low-hanging fruit here. Even like a Nate dog, I would take that. But Nathaniel is uh extremely formal. I'm not bashing the name by any stretch. I just find it unusual. Okay, I'm gonna I'll jump right into it. Just I do might, it. Just I might do still it. thunder on your point. Yeah. We have clearly seen in the last two weeks that Mr. Hackett is incredibly indecisive. I, I, in fact, I don't understand how he's a, a NFL head coach because I, I don't think he knows how to make decisions quickly. And I'm not bashing that. I feel like I'd be the same if I were a head coach in any pro sport. But I feel like he's, we've clearly seen he's just indecisive and can't figure out what he wants to do in a fast period of time. Yeah. So I feel like growing up, he was named Nathaniel at birth. And people kept saying, oh, what's your nickname going to be? <laughs> Is it Nathan? Is it Nate Dog? Is it Nady? There's like a world of possibilities with that name. We can call you N. We can call you NT. We can call you Natty. There's a million things. And he's like, oh, oh, wow. That's a lot of choices. Okay, okay, okay. Um, please don't count down um, time to do it. Um, it could be Nate. Nate's pretty good. Nate's pretty good. Nathan, I kind of like that. That's a little more business-like. And he's never been able to decide. So he's just been stuck going by Nathaniel ever since. Because I don't know anyone, anyone else who goes by their full name, Nathaniel. Okay. That, and I'm going to give full context, which I should have done before this. As bad as your approval's point was, it's as good as that one was. So Nathaniel Hackett is the Denver Broncos head coach. New coach this year has never been a head coach before. And through the first two weeks of the NFL season, his decision-making has been nothing short of abysmal. In week one, he single-handedly lost his team their game when he decided to not let his star quarterback throw the ball in a last-second play and instead kicked what would have been one of the longest field goals in the history of the NFL in a stadium that <laughs> isn't known for having a, it's not like they were home in Denver where the air is thin and at altitude and it's easier to kick the ball further. So single-handedly lost the game in week one in week two. He and was has an home. incredible quarterback. 
So oh, it makes sorry. No sense to yeah, definitely probably should mention the fact that they traded for Russell Wilson in the offseason, paid him $200 million. Some, some high number. Mr. High number. Uh, to basically exactly for situations <laughs> like this. Like that's why you're paying hundreds of millions of dollars. And instead he said, you kicker. Come on and try something that historically has almost never been achieved instead of letting Russell Wilson go for it on a fourth and fifth, like fourth and five, fourth and six, something very reasonable to go for. That was week one. Week two, to quickly catch you up if you haven't heard this, the team was so discombobulated that there's a play clock for every snap. You have 40 seconds to get a snap off, and the team kept running out of time and would get a penalty. The crowd got so frustrated, this was at home in Denver, that the crowd started chanting down the play clock, 10, 9, 8, 7, etc., to make sure that the players were aware of when the clock would expire. And then, can I tell you the worst part of this that I realized, BG? That week one fiasco, Nathaniel Hackett responded to the media for his decision-making and said, hey, we decided that if we got the ball to a certain point on the field, we were going to attempt a 64-yard field goal <laughs> because that is where we felt comfortable with our kicker being able to successfully make the kick. In a very similar situation in week two, the kicker had a chance to go out there for a shorter kick. I think it was something like uh, like a 56-yarder, still very long, but like close to like 10 yards shorter, and he decided to punt instead. So clearly in summation, Nathaniel Hackett has absolutely no idea what he's doing from a decision-making standpoint. <laughs> Zero. Do you think when the crowd was chanting down the play clock that inside he was just going, just call me Nathaniel. Just call me Nathaniel. <laughs> I don't want to decide. Now, he's. I think our real takeaway from this should be Nathaniel Hackett, for those that don't know, was the offensive coordinator for Green Bay the last few years when he was hired. Reminds me of a young Adam Gase who was the Broncos offensive coordinator uh-huh. Peyton Manning was there and went on to be a spectacularly bad head coach. And I feel like the takeaway should be if you're the offensive coordinator for a team with a historically prolific quarterback, it's probably not the, the offensive coordinator. It's probably the quarterback. And also did nobody ask him in his interviews, what he would do in certain like late game situations. I feel like these are things that should have been cleared up pretty early on. Yeah, like at any other job interview, your interviewer is always going to ask you, hey, BG, tell me about a time that you faced a deadline and how did you react? That's every interview ever. And yet somehow they never said, hey, coach, uh, or potential coach in this case, what would exactly you do if you had 10 seconds on the clock and you had to choose between uh, (laughs) Russell Wilson throwing the ball or your kicker attempting what would have been a historically long kick? I, I think maybe what happened is they did ask him and he just never answered the question due to the indecisiveness. And they were like, okay, well, he didn't give us the wrong answer. And Aaron Rodgers did pretty good the last two years. So he's hired. Either that or they just asked like the questions that we all hate in interviews. Like, listen, Nathaniel, we could ask you about the end of the game. But instead, let me pose this query to you. How many ping pong balls would it take <laughs> to fill up a school bus? I thought you were going to go tell us a book that you've recently read that you identify with. No, the other one was going to be like, if you're any animal, (laughs) what animal would you be? I'm convinced that was the best slate of questions for him. It might have been. Nothing about this makes sense. Horrible start to Denver. And I really think it stems from just, maybe it's not indecisiveness. It's just making the wrong decision. I don't even know what it is. 
Are you familiar with the Peter Principle? The Peter Principle is a business management theory. <laughs> First stats and Oh, yeah. I'm coming in hot. Peter Principle basically says that people in an organization rise to the level of their ineptitude, which means, like Nathaniel Hackett, maybe he was great as an assistant coach, and he rose up the ranks and did a great job, great job as an offensive coordinator with Aaron Rodgers. BG, to your point, maybe it was because Aaron Rodgers is yeah. just really good. But let's just assume, okay, fine, he was a good offensive coordinator, and that got him his job. But eventually, you hit a level in the hierarchy where you just can't do the job. And maybe Nathaniel Hackett bounces back from this, but it sure seems like his inability to nail down the most basic parts of the job, which as a head coach, you're a CEO. Like on the field during a game, you are making the highest level calls. You're not like deep down in the details for the most part. And he can't do that. And you know what the sad thing is about him? He's getting so much heat for this. I think his decisions are just going to get worse, meaning he's just going to get more and more scared. Yeah, you know it's going to snowball. If you couldn't, I hope he comes back from this. You know, I I don't want him to fail. But if you couldn't correct it from week one to week two after what happened in week one and things got worse in week two, I mean, he was the laughing stock of the league after week one. And that was the time to correct it because now after two weeks of this, to your point, coach, it's just going to snowball from here. He's going to overthink every single decision he makes. So unless he just pretends to be making the decision and hands the reins over to someone else to actually make those calls i just yeah i think we are in for a world of hurt going forward yeah i'm with you that's beachy and the coach consensus on this second topic because i think as ridiculous as this is after two weeks i i my prediction is and it sounds like yours as well is he's not going to come back from this his decision making will either get worse or will get absurdly conservative because he's taken so much heat that he'll be so avoidant of any kind of potential backlash that he's not going to make the decisions and have the daring to do what's needed to be successful in the league. I think Denver needs a new coach right now. Uh, Well, I was just going to ask you, Coach, do you think he makes it past the year? I don't even think he makes it to the end of the year. I do. I think think teams are, although interestingly, this is one other interesting point, is he got hired by one ownership group They actually sold the team right after he was hired. So this current ownership group is not like they're not bought into him. No, he's not their guy. And they literally just spent billions on the team. So you'd think they'd want a successful team from the get go. Yeah, that's the only reason I would think normally I would say because that's an embarrassing admission by the team and by ownership to fire a guy so soon after you hire him. It takes an extremely egregious number of acts a la urban meyer last year (laughs) to get fired halfway through your first season i mean you genuinely have to be kicking your own players and like harassing women (laughs) after games that's caught on camera like nathaniel our our buddy nathaniel nate nate dog natty light is at least not doing anything that egregious it's more just ignorance lack of action indecisiveness these seem to be more innocent crimes do you think he just needs to totally lean into a new persona and show up to his next press conference with like leather jacket shades backwards cap shows up says hey i'm not nathaniel call me (laughs) nate dog and then just go for it on every single fourth down you say i just roll the dice baby i'm nate dog 
Denver Broncos fans, you heard it here first. If Nathaniel doesn't show up to the next press conference in a leather jacket and slick back hair, you might as well kiss the season and goodbye. We're giving it to you on a silver platter, Nathaniel. Free. Just listen Free. to your friends, BG and the coach. We're here for you. Let me tell you what else you heard about today. You heard about the Peter Principle. I think that's what it was called. Peter Principle. <laughs> nailed it. You nailed from, it. From the sage advice of, of coach. Talked about rising to the occasion. Let me tell you who always rises to the occasion. And that's your favorite podcast host, BG and the coach. And your favorite podcast, also called BG and the coach. <laughs> if you want to listen to more rising to the occasion level sports and pop culture talk, you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also join us in the conversation on the Twitter at BG and the coach. And until next time, enjoy a cold, 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 cold scoop of the Grutens. 